You want to know what's going on in society? I, I can tell you it's not politics. It's not the major problem. It is a lack of identity. I've never seen human identity under attack like it is mm. in today's world. When we have people that don't know who they are, who they love, why they are the way they are, this is an attack from Satan. Your soul is slowly dying. Mm. And I don't care if mm. you're an atheist, a Democrat, a Republican, I don't care what country you're from. All of us long to make a difference in this world. If I can get everybody to give me a warm, who you know welcome for Ken Coleman. Let's go. Thank you very much, Craig. Good to be with you, man. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And uh, so the way that all of this guys came about was about, uh, it was a who you know moment, okay? So I was actually introduced uh, to Ken through Amberly Lago, who I've built a, a very strong relationship with. She's been on this show a couple of times, and uh, she's just an amazing person. So shout out to Amberly for, for setting this up. Uh, but let me go ahead and formally introduce Ken for you guys. So Ken is a nationally syndicated radio host. He's a best-selling author and an expert advisor at Ramsey Solutions. And with his guidance, uh, countless individuals have discovered their true calling and successfully achieved their dream job. So you guys are in the right place. I want you to know that right now. Okay. So, um, Ken, I'd really like to just get started into your journey. What brought you into the, the world of radio? That's actually where we started this show, mm. was radio. So I'd like to hear from you. How did you get started in nationally syndicated radio and, and even becoming an author? How did that all be, you know, come about? Well, I got started on Saturday afternoons at 2 o'clock where I had to pay 250 bucks for the privilege to broadcast for an hour. And Saturday afternoons at 2 o'clock on AM Talk Radio in the South, there's about seven people listening. So... <laughs> You know, I, I, I love when people ask that question of me because it allows me to really uh, answer the question honestly, authentically, but also principally. And uh, the start always sucks. Mm. And I think we, had, we need to have more people embrace that. Was you there know? still pressure? Even oh. though there were seven people, was there oh. still pressure? Man, I couldn't. I remember the first broadcast, I, I couldn't generate spit. Literal spit. My mouth was so dry uh, because, you know, when you walk into a radio studio for the first time and, and you do a show and I had spoken, I've been on stages my whole life. Uh, but there's a difference between the gift of gab mm. and the experience to be able to handle the emotional and mental pressure, because that's what it is. It's a vice of squeeze between your emotions because you don't want to suck. You got some loved ones listening and things of that nature. You got, you know, a few people listening. Uh, <laughs> but it feels like the way the world is on you when you when when the music starts and you see the countdown and the producers across from me going like this and all of a sudden you got eight minutes, which when you start out, eight minutes feels like eight hours. Now, eight minutes now is like I'm barely warmed up, you know, and so in that moment, I was terrified. It looks like a cockpit of a, of, a, of a jet plane. All these monitors in front of you, and you're trying to watch the clock. You're trying to have a coherent thought. You know, it was a lot. But I will tell you, it was a great experience. In fact, I tell a lot of people that want to get into the game. I, I inevitably get a lot of people say, hey, how can I get into the world you're in? I want to be a speaker and a writer. And I always tell people that they need to try to do live radio or television just because it's a gauntlet and mm. it's the best thing for you to learn how to survive. Mm, hold on. I'm going to give you a mic drop for that. Oh, that's, 
Wow, I wasn't ready for that. That's, you weren't ready for that? It scared me a little bit. Well, let me explain why. So, I'll yeah, be we, ready do, for we that. do something here called mic drop moments, okay? Oh, okay, good. All right. And, and I gave you a mic drop for that because that was where our journey started was live. Yeah. It was live stream, right? Live, live, live stream radio. That's right. And uh, it does create a lot of pressure, but with pressure creates diamonds, right? Yeah, I mean, listen. Every one of us watching, listening, our live studio audience can remember back to the day when we were little kids, however old you were, when mom and dad said it's time to learn to ride a bike. And whether you had training wheels, I'm talking about when the day comes when the training wheels come off. And maybe mom and dad are holding on to the back of that seat for a bit and running with you. And at some point they let go. And at some point you wreck. (laughs) And when you get up and you, you may not have any skin on your leg, but you've learned something. Mm. and you get back up on that bike and you figure it out, but it is the threat of the rest of the skin on the other side of your leg coming off that essentially (laughs) makes you learn to ride that bike. And I think that we've gotten into a place in America for sure where we've taken away the sting of failure. Mm. And and I'm just going to tell you, uh, we need to teach people to embrace failure because when I embrace failure, I am learning something and I am also building something. What I'm learning is how not to fail the next time, how to do it better. But even more important, I'm building grit. Mm. I'm building that muscle that I am okay. I may stick to the sheets for three nights, but I know how to ride a bike. And so that's the idea. And so I think live performance for a a person who wants to be a communicator is really important. Do you think that trait of like learning through your mistakes, do you think that's innate in most people or do you think, um, yes, if we, if we let them, Hmm. but if we're helicopter parents, we take that away from them. Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the, the natural proclivity of a human is to crave progress. You don't have to teach a human being to crave progress. But you can, you can desensitize that. In other words, you can parent them out of that. Because if you're always protecting them, protecting them, protecting them, protecting them, protecting them, you essentially create an anxious human being. Mm. And that's why anxiety is skyrocketing in our world today. Because of bike helmets and elbow pads. Oh. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give one. It's two. Yeah. It's two. So I'm, I'm going I'm, for, it's three. I'm going for double digits here. Now I'm, now I'm, now I'm competing. Let's go. I've got, I've got three young boys. They're eight, six, and four. Yeah. And you are right on the money. I mean, as far as what we've seen is we've been overprotective. Sure. um, Just by nature of being parents. And so I have seen where it's either you're overprotective or like in your case where if, you know, you're failing and somebody is harsh about that, which we have caught ourselves being like, well, not harsh, but like critical, right? And then that also makes you not want to continue or not want to try it, it demotivates you. It, it removes that grit, I think, from, um, from that learning process. So a question that I have is, so you experienced that. Um, you've got your books, and I don't know which came first. I think I know, and you can, you can tell us. Uh, but what has been driving you? Why, why did you get into this, this whole topic, this whole yeah. yeah, why careers in the first place, yeah. right? 
Yeah, well, I would I would say I'm I'm in the business of helping people do what they were born to do. Mm, okay. So it has work and career context, but the, where it comes from is, uh, number one, I was born in a home where my mom and dad made it very clear to us that we needed to appreciate history in order to make history. Ooh. And and so uh, I grew up in that environment where I had a sense of men and women who were very intentional. I like that he's getting ready. Yeah. Oh, yeah, is, we're, we're getting loaded. I'm, we're getting loaded. Like, I'm loading up here. Guy's grabbing a mic when I'm in my answer now that I'm feeling the pressure, and I love it. <laughs> uh, this is good because I was because I'm ready for it. All Let's right. go. So, uh, so at 16, fast forward, so I grew up in an environment like that where I very much heard the words and phrases like, you were created, you, God mm. has a calling on your life. And so that was just very normal. And so when you speak in terms like that, your kids don't understand it at first, Mark, but then they get to the point where they go, what do you mean by that, Dad? And you begin to describe it, and your kids begin, it's okay, what's that look like? And so I was always wondering, God, what do you have for my life? Fast forward, at 16 years of age, I'm sitting in a school assembly, a state senator by the name of Mark Early, who went on to become the attorney general of, of the Commonwealth of Virginia, where I grew up. Um, he challenged us to think of civic duty as a calling. And so I'm sitting there, and at 16 felt like, I was supposed to run for office one day and that I was going to serve uh, in a public role to make the lives of people better. And so that became the driving goal for me at 16. Fast forward, um, I go to college. Uh, I volunteer on a national presidential race. Um, I get the taste of battle. I go back to school. Uh, I take a semester off my sophomore year to work on a congressional race in 1994. So I, I worked my way from driver. I was driving the candidate and I had a captive audience, so I started telling him what I thought. And he ended up hiring me, and I took a semester of school off. And and so from there, I went to work on five or six other campaigns at 22. So I dropped out of college on purpose because I didn't need it. I had already tasted battle. And so uh, I'm 22, running uh, three congressional districts Wow. Um, in Virginia uh, for a governor's race. We win. And I'm working for the governor of Virginia at 22. I do it for a year, and I'm dying because governing is way slower than politicking and campaigning. And uh, I hated all the bureaucracy. So I get into the private sector, and I move through several executive jobs. It's great. I'm setting myself up to run for office with a real leadership resume. And at 32, I wake up one day, and I'm fed up with politics, both sides mm -hmm. of the aisle. Um, and I just began to lose the taste for it. The belly, the fire in the belly wasn't there. I began to question, is that where I'm supposed to go? But that might be a good age to do it. I have a question for that. How important is it to get those W's, get those wins? Because it sounds like you were, you were very active very early, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. How important is that for a young person's success and in their you know, career? Well, I think it's very important. I think that you know, we need kids. I mean, I'm, I'm all for a gap year. I know that's like a swear phrase to a lot of parents in this country. But you know, I think if we could have kids, uh, some type of national merit service program where we just took the pressure off of college for kids for mm. a year, even two years. <laughs> There it is. We're Let's go. Score. And, 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 and let kids work and, and do things, and, and I think that would be huge. So anyway, to, to wrap the answer, I'm 32, and I'm, I've been driven towards one path, and now it's not the path. And then I begin to get confused. Did I waste a decade 
Mm. To your point, I had not. It had prepared me for what I'm doing now. Right, right. With speaking and sure. campaigning and all that. So all that to say, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there going, I'm at a crossroads, and I'm eight years from 40, and I started freaking out, and I got depressed, <laughs> and I got anxious, and all these things. And I knew that I'd always been very driven and very focused, and all of a sudden, I didn't have a destination. Mm. And so the heart of everything I teach comes from my own journey, where I had to figure it out. I didn't have the books. Mm. I didn't have the Get Clear assessment that I've created. I just had to go do some self-discovery and figure out from my story, which is experience and environment, plus getting truly clear on who I am, what am I good at, what do I love to do, what results motivate me. And I didn't have the language as I spit it out very clearly and quickly to you now. I didn't have that, but I had to figure it out. And as I figured it out and realized that God wanted me to move into broadcasting mm. with no degree, no experience, and walk that long journey, seven years, man, getting rejected, people telling me I wasn't good enough, you know, all this kind of stuff, uh, it, it has become my life's mission to help people see their uniqueness and to make that contribution that they were created to make. Mm, round of applause, guys. Come on. Let's go. I've been waiting for that. Um, I got a couple things uh, that I, I, I heard you say. Um, number one, um, I love the mentality that you had, the civic duty aspect. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a veteran. Oh, thank you for your service. Uh, thank you. It's been an honor, and, and I, I love having been a veteran. I wasn't born in this country, um, but I am very patriotic. I love this country. I love the opportunity that I've gotten here. Um, and it kills me that, that we have this culture of apathy around our, the love of our country, yeah. um, number one, first and foremost. And then the other thing that you said, um, which is very impactful, which is, service right mm -hmm. and and being of service and that's part of what drove you and that's why i asked the question because i mean it's not like you know this is a job right for a lot of us so and this could be a job right it, this isn't our main job or our primary job but um we're doing it for money if if you're doing it for money it's your job um and we're not doing it for money you're not doing what you do necessarily for money it's the passion behind that and so that's the other thing that i got from it um, love it. Love it. So can you tell us, um, there's multiple steps in, in your book yeah. about how people can basically differentiate themselves, right? Find yeah. their purpose. And, and can you tell yeah. us a little bit about those yeah, steps? It, yeah. There's seven stages that, that we all can walk to discover that unique role and then do it well. First is get clear. And what I mean by get clear is just simple self-awareness. Okay. So there's, there's, there's five little exercises. If I were coaching your entire audience live watching around the world, there's five areas of awareness that we all have got to get to. Number one, what do we do? Well, this is talent. So all of us come into this world hardwired with things we do better than average and people compliment us for it. There are hard skills and soft skills. We understand that. Uh, second is what moves my heart. And these last two, excuse me, these next two elements are heart based. The first one is kind of technical in that my talent are, are tools. And if I develop the talent, I can turn them into sharpened skills. In other words, power tools. You know what I'm talking about? The big Yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and then we talk about heart next, so passion. What do I love to do? There are tasks, there are roles that all of us look forward to, and then when we get in the middle of it, time seems to just disappear. The third element is mission, a sense of motivation. There's two types of motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic. We don't need to get scientific today, but we're talking about intrinsic motivation. What makes a person get up at 5 a.m. to run five miles? Mm. It's not because they're crazy, although there's a little bit of that in there. A little crazy in there. Uh, yeah. But they're, they're, there's a deep motivation that makes them do that. And so if we look at those three things there, that's where we begin to see the ideas 
start to formulate. Oh, I, I, I'm really good at this. I love to do this. And I'm really passionate. I care about these results. Now, there's two other elements. So we've got talent, what I do best, passion, what I love to do, and mission, what motivates me. But then there's two other elements. And this is a part of your story. So you've got a story. You've got a story. I've got a story. All these people have a story. And there's two parts of the story. Number one, my environment. What kind of environment did I grow up in? Mm. Good, bad, and ugly, it shapes us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then the experience part of my story. This is what I've lived through. In other words, my victories, mm. my defeats, people who've helped me, people who've hurt me. If you understand that live audience, say yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. And so we look back at our story and we go, oh, through my environment and my experience, that has shaped my heart. And then the creator of the universe gave me talent, gave me passion and a sense of mission. So we put all that together and now we have a very clear representation, Mark, of who we actually are. We are very unique. And so when I can see how unique I am, then the ideas begin to develop. So we want to get clear. All right, mm-hmm. I'll roll through the rest of them really quick. Once I'm clear on what I want to do, now i got to figure out how to do it. Right. And that's stage two, get qualified. So am I getting a college degree? Maybe, maybe not. But I've got to go get some learning, and then I've got to practice the learning, and then I can now get to the place where I get a chance to punch my ticket. And then the third stage is get connected. A lot of what you guys are teaching, you know, connections come through, I mean, opportunities come through connections and and it is about who, you know, that's it. What'd you say? Who, you know, there you go. Come on. So so I got to ask you, is that what this, yes. Is that what this is about? Yeah. That's a deep dive into the power of proximity, the power of proximity. Yeah. So, uh, so stage four is get started. Once I'm connected, I get opportunities. People show up to me, give me a shot. I get started. I'm on the ladder. And now I'm moving into stage five, which is get promoted. I'm moving up the ladder. And eventually I'm going to get promoted into the dream job, stage six, which again, the dream job is this. It's not a unicorn that's impossible. A lot of people think the dream job is a fairy tale. Like for me, if I used the wrong definition of dream job, it would be to be an NBA basketball player. I love the game of basketball, but look at me. Okay, I'm a five foot nine. I can barely jump over paper. I mean, it's not happening. Okay, it's I can't. I mean, if you put a sheet of paper down there, I got to stretch to get over it. You know what I mean? But but uh, the the point is, is that's a fantasy. A dream job is defined by me spending most of my day using what I do best, talent, to do what I love, passion, to produce the results that matter to me. The reason we call it a dream is because it's a longing. So a dream is not a fantasy. A dream is a longing. Mm. Dreams are God-given. They're mm-hmm. the desires mm. of the heart. And we got to stop teaching kids that dreams are fantasies. we got to teach kids that dreams are desires mm-hmm. that are unique to them. The final stage is give yourself away. Where we are working, Mark, as you're describing now, I'm not working for money. Uh, I'm working for meaning now. Mm-hmm. It is about mm-hmm. impacting as many people mm-hmm. as possible. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Watch this, yeah. watch this. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. You had said something a minute ago that I wanted to touch on, which was motivation, right? And what would you say to somebody who maybe had all of those things and they had their purpose and their mission and all of these things, and then maybe they got that uh, ax from corporate America, right? They're getting let go, furloughed, fired, right? And they lose their motivation. They're in a spot where they're feeling a little bit hopeless, worthless, you know, a um, little bit stressed out. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you see that all the yeah, time. Yeah, I would say they haven't lost their motivation. Um, what, what they have lost is focus. Mm. They're focused on the wrong thing. They're focused on, I've been hurt. I've been rejected. I've been wounded. I'm mm. not making money. I mean, these are real reactions. Um, 
you know, I've had so many calls from, from spouses on my show who are calling on behalf of a spouse and they'll, they'll say something like, Hey, he got let go and he, I, he's not motivated. And I feel like, and I can hear a tinge of, he needs to get off of his butt or she needs to get off of her butt. And one of the things I would say to that person who's experiencing that is if you're not careful, you'll start to, you'll start to feel bad about yourself and, and, and you'll start to look at yourself as lazy Mm. because you're 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 hurt and you're mm. afraid to put yourself out there and i remember seeing this one time to a lady and it she started crying when i said it on the show i said ma'am do you feel like your husband's lazy and she said yes and i said can i just tell you he's not lazy he's lost mm. Mm. and there's a big difference who among us when we don't know which way to go is is not paralyzed. Mm. The greatest fear, as I've seen it in life, having counseled over 10,000 people, is the fear of the unknown. Mm. Uh, if you've ever been driving in a car and you have a torrential downpour or you drive in a crazy fog, you immediately hit the brakes. You are pulling over. And, and, and I would just say that person who's gone through that, uh, the data does not lie. And we know from psychology studies that they equate being fired or laid off as the same level of trauma as losing a loved one. Absolutely. So I point that out to say we need to get to the point where we stop feeling bad about ourselves and we allow ourselves to feel bad. Mm. And in other words, we've got to heal. Mm. Mm -hmm. We've got to heal after getting laid off or fired. Because if we don't, we're just we're dragging around an open wound and it's really hard to move forward when you're injured. So uh, that's my perspective on that. No, I, I totally agree with you. It is like a loss, and people go through the stages of grief yeah, for through sure. it, right? For sure. Uh, I try to tell people to, um, to try to go through those stages as quickly as possible. I don't know if you would agree with that. But 100%. I, and by the way, the quickest way to do that is to do it with other people. Ooh, okay. The, the, don't isolate yourself. Mm. Uh, we, what we tend to go and lick our wounds mm. and kind of go hang out and watch Netflix and just mm. eat a lot of ice cream or whatever it is. And I think what we've got to do is we've got to be okay crying on other people's shoulder mm -hmm. and moping around other people. Mm. The worst thing you can do is cry alone and mope alone. But it's great to cry around people that care for you and mope around people that care for you. It's okay because uh, enough crying and pouting and moping around the right people, you'll get it out of your system mm. and, and, and they'll love you through it and they'll get you over it. But you cannot do it alone. You know, you're absolutely right. So I just recently, about a month ago, I lost my grandma who, I'm was, sorry. who was like a mother to me mm. and I uh, grew up with her and she raised me and all that kind of stuff. And and it was it was mm. really hard, but like I put out, you know, I put out some content actually. And the community, the comments, yeah. the love. Yeah, lifted you. Absolutely. Yeah. In a dark time, dark season, it lifted me. And so doing, yeah. not doing it alone, you know, and it helped me kind of get through it uh, quicker than I thought I was, I was going to. I thought I knew it was coming, and I, I was like, this is going to suck for me. Yeah. I'm going to be destroyed for a long time. Yeah. But I got through it pretty quickly. I'll actually. give you a couple people, that, just real quick. Yeah. You need a cheerleader. Mm. So when you're, when you're going through loss, whether it be a uh, loss of a loved one or you've been fired or laid off or whatever, you need to be around a cheerleader. That's the person that just goes, you're awesome. You're going to be great. You're going to be better. You know, they just, they're like the, the golden retriever in your life. They're just licking you, you know, <laughs> jumping all over you. They're great. Uh, don't lick anybody. That'd be really weird. Uh, 
you got to be careful in this day and age. Uh, so uh, you got you got to have that cheerleader. You also need the the uh, comedian. Mm. You need some people that you can just be around and they just make you laugh and they you up. enjoy being around them. That's a good one. You need a coach. You need you need that coach person in your life who goes, hey, yeah, you, you know what? You just lost, but let's look at the game film. What do we learn? What can we do? Uh, those are three people that I just throw out really quick. If you go through times of trial with those kind of people, uh, I, I think you'll find you'll snap out of it pretty quick. You said this throughout um, and had this theme, and in, in, in we are a faith-based show. Oh, good. Uh, by the way, because so, I was almost preaching a minute ago. Yeah, no, yeah. you bring no, it, man. No, you bring it because bring that's, it, let's go. That's my question. Well, I'll be careful. I'm, I may. T- I'm telling you. <laughs> I may. There you go. There right. you go. All right. Bring I may, it. So now I just want to warn you. I may take an offering. Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, oh, oh yeah, watch, yeah. Out. watch out! Watch out! Um, <laughs> Sorry, Mark. You're but, trying to ask. No, a no. That, that's quite all right because I love it. Um, and and we are a faith-based show. And we've we've tried to incorporate that in a lot of the things that we we do that we we help people with that we coach and mentor people with. Um, we've talked about the stages of grief and how that ties in and plays in with a, a loss of a job and a mm-hmm. transition. Um, how do you incorporate your faith and biblical principles to what you teach? Oh, I'm so glad you teed me up on this. Okay, so uh, Psalm 139, 13, and 14, my two favorite verses of Scripture in the Bible. David, the psalmist, is saying, and this is so powerful, he says, he says, for you knit me together in my mother's womb. You know, he says, yes. you knew me well, but he uses that phrase, and, and, and he uses that analogy, and, and that's what inspired me to come up with those three elements, talent, passion, mission. David uses the metaphor of knitting, and so there are threads, and he says, you knew me. In my mother's womb, you knit me together in this idea of, of creative and intelligent design. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, my theology from Psalm 139, 13, 14, it, says, it goes on in verse 14 to say, I am uniquely and wonderfully made. Uh, those are powerful words that David uses there. Uniquely speaks to the very specific creative combination that I am, that you are. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then he says, wonderfully. Mm-hmm which I think is great. You know, the word wonder is a, is, is a word we don't use properly anymore. You know what I mean? It's kind of become like, oh, that's wonderful, whatever. But the root word of wonder, wonderful is, say it, wonder. wonder. And so there's a childlike wonder that we all come to this world with. Isn't it true? Yes. You know, we got parents in the audience and grandparents. And so kids come to the world hardwired to ask questions. They ask a thousand questions a day. Literally. Are they trying to be obnoxious? No. They're trying to get to the bottom of things. There is a childlike wonder. And we get into the eighth grade in this country, America, and according to the University of Michigan, you've heard me say this, Mark, we are asking about two to three questions a day. The average eighth grader is asking two to three questions a day. We are pounding the curiosity out of our kids. Mm. So, so you ask me, does, how does scripture of my faith inform everything I teach? It is the theology that God in Genesis chapter two introduces work. Mm. Now this is, this is the God of the universe. You said this is a faith-based show. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it right Let's now. Go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's hear it. So, Let's the, hear it. so the God of the universe who is omnipotent works so hard in creating the world mm. that he's got to take a break on day seven. So our creator worked. 
If you look throughout the Bible, just do something fun, all you faith-based nerds out there. Search up the word work and see how many times the word work appears in the Scripture. Mm. It's unbelievable how many times it's in there, and it's, it's throughout the entire Bible. So all that to say, our Creator worked. He created us in His image. Imago Dei is what the Bible is. That's the proper description of that, that we are created in His image. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, We are study to show thyself, approved unto God, a workman who needs not be ashamed. You know, I could just keep going the on. Theme. No, listen, yeah, so, the Iwana theme. No, listen, listen, work saved my life. Yeah. Okay. How? Uh, because I have, as a juvenile, I have a juvenile background. I was getting in a lot of mess. Mm. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, I was I was in and out of juvie and was supposed to be uh, thrown away until I was 21. And uh, by the grace of God, I, I got a second chance at life. And that second chance introduced me to work. Okay. And work, I fa- it wasn't until I found something that I was obsessed with work-wise that I could have a positive place to put and channel my energy that things really started to turn around for me because I had all this energy and everybody's like, you're ADD and ADHD and you need to take a pill. No, I didn't need that. What I needed was a positive place to channel my energy. I needed work and I didn't have that. That's right. Absolutely right. So all that to say, if you want to know what's going on in society, I can tell you it's not politics. It's not the major problem. It is a lack of identity. Mm. I've never seen human identity under attack like it is Mm. in today's world i'm Mm -hmm. not going to say anything to freak anybody out i'm not going to get involved in any socio-political issues on your show today but when we have people that don't know who they are who they love why they are the way they are this is an attack from satan from the pit of hell and the number one way he attacks people is through their identity Mm. and i'm telling you right now there's an attack on work Mm. Through all kinds of socio-government uh, programs, there's a ne- there's a there's a, uh, a no work movement on one of these freaking water cooler websites, mm. and and it's like and everybody wants to get paid to just sit around. And I'm here to tell you that you as a human being were created to contribute. Yes. And when you do not contribute a result that matters deeply to you, your soul is slowly dying. Mm. And I don't care mm. if you're an atheist, a Democrat, a Republican. I don't care what country you're from. All of us long to make a difference in this world. Mm, let's go. Man. I may I, need to put some goggles on. That, yeah. that one pop up. <laughs> Listen, I'm almost out over here. You know what I'm saying? All right, good. Let's empty it. Uh, we, we're going to for sure. Um, I do want to kind of switch gears just a little bit. Okay. I want to go back to your show. Uh, you've interviewed, well, throughout your, your career, you've interviewed some very, very large names. Who would you say has been one of your most impactful or memorable interviews and why? Who, who would that person be? Uh, he's always at the top of the list because it was the first interview I ever got a chance to do. It's a crazy God story. I don't have time to unpack it all, but I was the fill-in. Uh, I was working for John Maxwell, leadership mm-hmm. guru, and I got the chance to interview Coach K, the legendary Duke coach, on the floor of Cameron Indoor Arena in Duke. And it was a leadership interview for an hour um, it was so special. We connected. He later endorsed my first book. Mm. Uh, he, he was just so impactful in what he said. He shared so many nuggets. I'm a huge basketball fan and grew up, you know, uh, liking Duke and, and because I just liked their shoes. I mean, it's before I knew Duke. <laughs> I like, like a lot of people hate Duke, and I understand that. I don't have some affiliation to him. I just grew up liking him. And I thought Johnny Dawkins was like the coolest point guard I've ever seen, left-handed, African-American, and no connection to me. <laughs> But so all you Duke haters, just like, you know, 
Spare me. But every time I say that, you wouldn't believe the grief I get online. People hate Duke. I get it. Uh, but anyway, it was, it was a special interview. Uh, I would tell you that uh, uh, interviewing Mike Rowe was really mm. special. Oh, yeah. We have yeah. a lot in common as we dirty talk about jobs, dirty right? jobs. Dirty jobs. Yeah. Talk a lot about the value of work. Um, man, I, I tell you, there's some, there's some. I interviewed Condoleezza Rice. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, Condoleezza Rice is a true hero. Mm-hmm. Um, her story, she represents what I think is the pure American dream. Mm. You know, she grew up in a very segregated South, Alabama, mm. and rose to the top of our education and political and now business world. She's the second female member of, at Augusta National. She's broken barriers. So that was a special interview with her as well. I mean, I could go on and on sure. and on. It's going to sound like I'm dropping names, and that's obnoxious. Well, yeah, but you know, okay, so you also, on your show, right, on your show, you like to take live questions. Yeah, it's my favorite thing in the world. Right? Yeah. So, um, you had mentioned the the wife who said that her husband was lazy. Yeah. Right? What other kind of stories like that do you have where you've been able to kind of reshape mm-hmm. someone's perspective on what's actually happening? I think one of the calls that sticks out to me is one day I got a call from a guy who said, Ken, I've got two options. Uh, I, I want to change gears. I think he was in pharmaceutical sales. And uh, I said, okay, what are they? He says, one is um, I want to become, a, a, I think, a doctor. It was some type of, it was a specialty. So it was like anesthesiologist or something along those lines. And uh, he said, I said, well, what's the other one? He said, it's a, a child, a therapist for, for children. And I had a sense um, that when someone calls and they give me a either or, Uh, This is early on in the show. I now know that it's always the heart one Mm. and their brain's telling them one Mm. and the heart's telling them another. And so I dug a little bit and I said, which one are you leaning to? He said, becoming a doctor. I said, okay. I said, I just don't sense that that's what you really want to do. And he goes, why? Why do you sense that? I said, well, let me just ask you, why are you even interested in being a therapist for children? And I knew there was a story. Mm. What I did not know is he just began to tell me and as he did he began to just weep Mm. uncontrollably could barely get through it he basically said i was molested sexually as a child Mm. and when someone shares that with you i mean first of all it's 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 tough to hear that when you're in a room with them one-on-one this is live on the air right this guy's bearing his soul needs to be handled very very delicately and quite frankly i'd never taken a call like that and so god gave me some grace and uh and I just let it happen. Mm. And he just wept. And uh, he went on to say, and I don't want that to happen to any other kid. I want to help kids go through that. And, and I was crying. I was choking a little bit. And I'm trying not to choke now. And I said to him something along the lines of, you need to follow your heart here. Mm. And uh, you want to step in the gap for kids that have gone through this horrible, I mean, a horrific experience. And you've managed to come out of it. And you've got something to give. And I think that's what you got to do. And he just kept crying. Thank you. He was crying. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was grateful that we had a commercial break for me to gather myself. That's certainly, you know, that's something where, again, I didn't, you asked, and, and, and it's very important that you hear this. You asked it in a way, it's like something I've been able to do. In that situation, I'm not doing anything other than asking questions. Mm. And I'm digging. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I, 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 I say that not to be falsely humble, but to make sure that people understand that, that the greatest thing we can do for other people many times when they're seeking our advice, even a spouse, mm. 
is just ask more questions and dig behind the heart. So, <laughs> no, um, that's good. That's so, good. Yeah. I mean, you, you just yeah, got to dig. At, that's right. You're digging when you ask good questions and you're also kind of, it, it leads them, right? It starts to lead them to their own conclusions a yeah, lot of times. Yeah. Like you're not having to tell them no. anything. They're like, by asking good questions, they'll they'll come up a lot of times. Yeah, you know, you're just uncovering the fear or the doubt or mm -hmm. the pride. Those are the three enemies of progress. I got to give it to you really quick. There's three enemies of progress. They're all thoughts. The fear is I'm worried that something bad is going to happen. Doubt is I don't believe that something good is going to happen. And pride is I care more about what other people think than what I believe. Oh. And so I can just tell you all, if you're in a place of confusion. Um, and uncertainty, it is because fear, doubt, and pride, think of them as heavy, heavy, heavy blankets on your heart. Mm. And you got to pull those off. And when you do it, mm. you can feel your heart beating. And that's the idea. I How love that explanation of pride, though, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, the fear of what other people are thinking oh, about you. Like that, yeah. that, I've never heard it put that way. That is yeah. a beautiful explanation. Of Thank you. Well, how do we get past that? How do you rip it off, man, so I can hear this? Which again? one? Fear, doubt, or pride? Which one? All of them? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's the same thing for all of them. Okay, so picture your courtroom drama, whatever your favorite movie or television show was, and you got to put the voice of fear, doubt, and pride on the witness stand. Mm. Okay. okay, I like this. Let's right. go. All right, so you put it up there, and, and you got to do it this way. You get very specific. So let's say you're afraid. Um, then, and, then I want to go, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of failure. No, be specific. And I want you to write it down. So I'm afraid that if I do this and fail, then this, 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 this. So that, you see what I'm saying? And so you can't just say, I'm afraid of failure. That's a cop out. What specifically are you afraid of? Mm -hmm. And you got to run it out and get very specific. Then once we write the voice down, we look at that and we go, what are the chances of that happening? I'll give you an example. Personal call on the show. I'm afraid that if I, if I move from accounting to uh, cybersecurity, I'm going to fail. I go, great. Let's play that out. What does failure look like? Well, that I'll get fired. And I was like, okay, great. And then you're going to be living under a bridge, homeless, starving. And they always laugh. No, no. <laughs> okay, great. So well, that's not going to happen. That's your worst fear, right? Yeah. Okay. So then what must be true for you to fail and get fired? You're going to be a, a doofus, do something wrong with your character, not do your training. I mean, and you start playing it out with people and they laugh like the audience just did. And so what happens is, is I'm putting the fear on the witness stand. Is there any evidence that this fear is telling the truth? Because sometimes fear is protecting us. Mm. Okay. Like if I get up on a, if, let's say we go hiking today and I'm up on a tall mountain and I get over the edge and a couple pebbles tumble down into the crevice below and I'm overcome with a sense of fear. Is fear telling me the truth there? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's saying, back up, or you're going to die, <laughs> right? But, but if I do what's necessary to get trained, to get qualified, to get connected, I get a job, and I move from one industry to the next, me living under a bridge, homeless and starving, it's not true. It's not going to happen. So that's the idea. And I could go through doubt the same way. You know, Doubt mm -hmm. is I don't believe anything good is going to happen. Pride is, uh, I'll, I'll, ta I'll tackle pride because Mark's right. This is the one we don't talk about enough. So pride would be, okay, um, um, I, I'll give you an example. So a guy called the show recently. He's in a, a family business. He's the heir apparent. His dad's tapped him to be the guy that replaces him. He don't want it. That's tough. Because daddy wants him to have it. He don't want it. He knows exactly what he wants to do. And so we're walking through this on the air, and I just said, man, you're just gripped with pride. 
and he's a very humble guy. And he, I think he was kind of like, what? I said, the voice of pride is says that I'm more worried about what daddy's going to think and say at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And the day I walk in the office and tell him, dad, I don't want it. I'm more worried about that than I am what I believe about my future and what my heart longs for. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's the power of that. And so we got to get to the point where, and this is why I tell people, I would rather you disappoint someone than resent them. Mm. Because if you disappoint daddy, he'll eventually get over it. Yeah, that's a good one. That's you a hit that. Great <laughs> one. That is a great one. Uh, and, and, and so I, I would, I'm saving the best for last. Okay, good. <laughs> Here, I'm all, I'll, I'll loan you. I'll loan you a couple. And yeah, so, okay. so the idea is now watch how this works. If if I do what I what I know I'm supposed to do, and there are some people that are disappointed, friends and family, coworkers, whatever, they'll get over it. But if I don't do it because I'm worried about what they're going to say mm. or think then many years from now, I'm going to resent them. Mm. And see, disappointment's on them, resentment's on you. Mm -hmm. And mm. it's a cancer of the soul. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's, that's the deal. you got to put it on the witness stand. Is it telling you the truth or is it lying to you and holding you back? And most of the time it's lying to you mm. because most people have common sense. There's some morons out there with no common sense. <laughs> but uh, they don't listen to my show and I can't help them anyway. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, <laughs> All right, so I've got a couple of more questions, and then uh, I want to make sure that we uh, save some time for the audience so they can, they can get some questions out for Great. you. Uh, one of the questions I had was um, about how you got connected with the Dave Ramsey Network and what it's like to work with that legend. Yeah, so fun story. So I'm early on in this journey of, of wanting to be a host, and I realize I'm going to have to get some interview chops. I'm going to have to develop some on-air skills, and I don't have any on-air opportunities, but I I go up to uh, some buddies of mine who I'd worked with that worked for John Maxwell. Mm -hmm. I'd worked for John, went out on my own to pursue this deal, and I came up with an idea for a podcast and also emceeing their leadership event called Catalyst at the time at 12,000 leaders mm -hmm. that came to this conference every October. And, and so I said, guys, I, I'm curious. I'll do the homework. Let's start this Catalyst podcast. This is like 15 years ago, podcasts weren't a thing. Like they looked at me like I had horns growing out of my head. <laughs> T true story, true story. When I went and pitched this idea, we actually had iPods. Mm. Oh yeah. Some of you remember iPods, but it was like this thing and you thought it was the coolest thing in the world. You could spin your thumb around and get to your song. It was unbelievable. And so podcasting was brand new. So I went and took that idea and then they started letting me interview people and I got the opportunity to interview Tony Dungy in front of 12,000 people. Wow. Mm. 12,000 liters. And Dave Ramsey was sitting on the front row because he was speaking next. So he saw me do that. And then I interviewed him a few times on the podcast, the Catalyst mm. podcast. And we had mutual friends. Um, my wife used to work for him years ago in a different, uh, different season of our life. And so he knew of me. We didn't know each other very well, but he began to see me on stage and he paid attention. Uh, he was the third guest ever on my the very first version of the Ken Coleman Show on a Saturday. Dave went into the office and gave me two segments. Oh, wow. Uh, and so he just believed in me and was paying attention, and I didn't realize it, and eventually asked me to come join him. So that's the, that's the short version. Very cool. But that's it's the proximity right. principle. Yes. Right. Like, when, yeah. when, when, you are, when you are around people, the proximity principle, by the way, it's a best-selling book. It's a very simple idea. In order to do what you want to do, you've got to be around people that are doing it and in places that, are, that it is happening. And I did both. I was at this leadership conference interviewing these, these well-known men and women, and, I, and so I was building relationship with them, albeit professional, but still building. And I was hanging around green rooms and talking and asking questions. And now I get to sit in those same green rooms and share stages with them. And it's, I, I wish I could say it was 
genius. It's not. Well, it's just sheer gumption. I love what you're saying, actually, because it leads me into the next question, which has all to do with the proximity principle. See, see I, I knew that. I actually got a text message just now. I'm like looking at it from Amberly Lago, who oh. was the proximity. It's just, she's she the was. reason why you're yeah. sitting here on that chair today. That's right. And so um, it's all about who you know, right? It's all about networking and connections. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm looking to do, I'm looking to level up this show. I'm looking for world changers, people who are doing things motivation education inspiration right because our audience as i mentioned to you earlier before the show a lot of times they are feeling worthless hopeless broken they're feeling yeah. like you know they've lost their sense of purpose and so i'm looking for people who can light them up so uh who's the first person that kind of comes to your mind that you think would be a good fit for that chair right there to sit here mm -hmm. oh man who wouldn't be uh, man i tell you what uh, I'd get John Gordon on this. Uh, John Gordon's a good friend of mine. He's, he's, he's in the positive leadership and just positivity space. I think they would really benefit from his message and books. Um, you know, I think um, uh, there's a guy named David Nurse, a young guy that coaches a lot of NBA shooters, and now he's so he's like a coach, a mindset coach, mm -hmm. and they keep me a good guest. Uh, I mean, just about everybody I've ever had on my show. You just go down my show list. <laughs> Is that all I got to do? Is that it? Guys, I got that recorded. Hold up. Is that it? Is that well, it? I mean, I'm saying, I'm saying like, I mean, if you're saying for ideas and I'll make connections, I'll make connections. Absolutely, man. I mean, uh, my, my producer will send you any connection that you want that we've ever interviewed. Wow. Well, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> man, he threw the bowl. He threw the glass bowl. I love Man. it. I love it. All right, guys. Well, um, I want to make sure that we leave some time uh, for the audience, but let's give Ken a round of applause. <laughs> this guy's crushing it. Uh, so, Bill, if you would do the honors, if you've got a question, please raise your hand. And actually, you're just going to step right up here to the to the front right here. Yeah, just right in the middle of the aisle there, please. Yeah, tell me your name, and uh, and, and that'll be fun. My name is Gabriela. Thank you so much for all the nuggets that you shared. You know, I wanted to ask you, because you talked about um, looking at your purpose and staying focused. You know, I heard also the power of discernment and also the courage to learn new things. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could share some ideas on how to keep that focus, like using you know, discernment and learning, because I know one of the game changers that is emerging more and more is chat GPT, anything mm -hmm. artificial intelligence. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people are afraid of that. So I was just wondering if you could share some ideas. Thank you. Yeah, you mentioned two words, uh, discernment and, uh, and then the curiosity or learning. And I, I think that you've got knowledge and you've got wisdom. And I think discernment to me is all about wisdom. I think discernment's a skill. Some people have it naturally, more of it than others. Um, but I, I would, I, I'm going to combine those two for you. Number one, um, how do we stay in a position of always learning? I think one thing is that I would tell you is be very careful. Um, because of the smartphones we have, we now are consuming more content than ever before. I, I remember, I feel like 10 years ago, I would go to a Chipotle or you pick your favorite lunch place. And you'd be standing in line waiting for your food and you'd be looking around and maybe having a conversation with a person in front of you, maybe not, but you're at least looking around and just people watching, maybe thinking about something. Now, if you go in the same place, what's everybody doing? Mm -hmm. Head down, staring at their phone and they're consuming content. Some of it's good. Some of it's probably not. Um, and so I think that we need to be aware that to have a posture 
And I'm using the word posture on purpose. Uh, posture, the idea of like I'm positioning myself. Posture is about position. I have terrible posture. But, but, but if, if I'm in a posture of, of learning and reflecting and creating, that's better than just consuming. So I think that we've got to, number one, put, a, put our guardrails up and go, we now more than ever are consuming, 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 but we don't actually, we don't get quiet and sit down and think about what we learn. Mm. You know, I read one biography a month. That's a challenge that I've been going on for a while, and I do it because I want to read of men and women from history. And I, when I read a book, for instance, I've got some time to actually reflect on it. And, and then how does it inform me? You know, I get half of my content ideas from other people because they challenge me and inspire me. And then I go, oh, here's how I can apply that. And, and so I think that's the first thing. Are you learning the right way? Are you learning the right things? Stop being a consumer and be a creator. Mm. And creators, they learn things that inspire them. That's the first thing. Sec oh, he wants to drop something. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, now on the, so on the discern, so, so for instance, chat GPT and AI, love it, uh, pay attention to, to those tools because they are going to inform the way you work. And I think you need to be savvy. Uh, and so, yeah, pay attention to the trends. Uh, but, but, but then guard yourself, you know, and not be too consumed. And I would say that's where discernment comes in. Uh, be wise in how you spend your time and how you learn, how you position yourself for the future. It's a good question. Love it. Love it. All right. We got another question over here. Okay. I have one. Bill. Bill Wallace, Success North Dallas. What is your legacy? Mm. Um, Great question. Yeah, it's a big, it's a gigantic question. That's huge. Um, and I, I appreciate the spirit on it, so I'll, I'll do my best to answer it, but I reserve the right to change it. <laughs> um, five years from now but well, I'll tell you I'll tell you the part of my legacy bill that will not change if you meet me five years from now I want to be a really good husband and a really good dad mm. that um, I and I'll tell you where it comes from there's a little lesson here hopefully because um, I've been wrestling with this interestingly Bill I've been wrestling with this in my in my quiet time um I've worked really hard, Trevor and Mark, to get where I am, really hard. And it was a big goal, and it's not easy to do. Mm. Um, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just, it's not easy, and, and I've gotten here. And uh, I'll never forget, Bill, the first day that I was, on, I was on my book tour for the Proximity Principle, and I was in a hotel in Portland, Oregon. It was the last stop on my tour. And I was exhausted, and I think it was 8 o'clock. I still hadn't woken up, and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I heard my phone buzzing. And I woke up and I looked at my phone and it was just covered. Texts, email, voicemail. And it was my friends and family, coworkers calling to tell me that I, that I had debuted number one on the Wall Street Journal bestseller wow. list. And it was very emotional and amazing. I remember calling Stacy, had my glasses on, you know, hadn't even brushed my teeth. I'm just literally sitting in bed going, wow, God, right? Yeah. I'm going somewhere with this. So... I replied to all the texts and emails and, and, and called Stacy and we cried together and we prayed together and, and, and thanked the Lord for this, you know, this great achievement. It felt really freaking fantastic. And, uh, and this is about 30 minute time lapse. And then I looked at the, 
the phone. I was like, oh, I got to get ready. And I got in the shower and I changed and I got ready and I walked out of my hotel room and that's when it hit me that my life hadn't changed. I'm still the same guy. And, you know, Casey's sitting here. I got the opportunity to be on Casey's show a little while ago and she said something to me. She said, do, do people just freak out when they meet you or something along those lines? And, and uh, sometimes yes, but here's the deal. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I will have made a tremendous impact that God put me on this planet. There's no question about that. Um, but people will move on really fast. And uh, none of my fans are going to show up at my funeral. They don't need to. And so I think we've got to make sure that we understand that we have a, a short time on this planet. And it will only be the people closest to you that the word legacy truly rings um, and so stop worrying about all that other crap, uh, do your best, but love those family members and friends that God has put in your life. Love them very, very well. To me, that's the only legacy we got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, so, well, 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 Mark, your mic. Yeah. He's about to mic drop for real. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. He's about to really mic drop. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so real quick, we got a few more minutes in here, and yeah. I, I want to make sure because today you have an amazing event going on. Talk to me about yeah. your, your career breakthrough event. I want to hear about it. Yeah, you know, so um, because I enjoy inter interacting with people at live events, you know, whenever I do a keynote, I if I get an hour keynote or 45, I usually spend half on speaking and half taking live questions from the crowd. I just... I just enjoy it. I enjoy teaching on some content and then trying to apply it. So I had this vision a couple years ago, and this is the fruition of that. I wanted to go to smaller theaters, you know, small, intimate theaters allow for small, intimate audiences and intimate audiences allow for what I believe is real breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we decided to test it for four cities. We did Kansas City, uh, Chicago, Atlanta, and then we'll finish it out tonight here in the Dallas area. And, uh, you know, it's just been special, man. The crowds are about anywhere from 180 to 220 people. And, and I speak for about 20 minutes and I just tell people you came here for the breakthrough tonight. So we have mics on both sides of the stage and people stand up and we do heart surgery and, you know, we just, we just help people, uh, by meeting them where they are making major decisions. Some trying to just get ideas. Um, I'll tell you one quick story because this is what breakthroughs about, uh, and then I think we got something fun to share. But um, we're in Kansas City, and a little little uh, lady stands up to my right, and she gets up. And you can tell she's a little bit nervous, you know, because she's in front of a crowd, and she's asking her questions. She's like, "Ken, I'm working two jobs. It's about, you know, 80 hours, 85 hours a week, and it's killing me." And I just cut her off because sometimes the question they want to ask is not the question I need to answer. <laughs> do you understand oh, I, I know what you're talking about and so i was like i already know what's up with this gal and so <laughs> i said uh i said why are you working 85 hours a week she said well i was in a really rough marriage and it was abusive and he didn't work and he made me work two jobs and and uh and so i knew what was up and so i said well um are you still in the marriage no thankfully i got out of that okay great um she said but i'm making really good money I said, sweetheart, I don't care how much money you're making. You're exhausted emotionally, mm. uh, physically, mentally. You need to heal from this abusive relationship. She just broke. She's just broke right there. And uh, so I went on to just kind of give her some more advice. And, and so um, 
we wrapped up and I was starting to walk across the stage to the other side of the stage where the other mic is. And I stopped and I felt, I felt the press of the Holy Spirit. And, and I just said, I, I've never done this before. And some dude yells at me, do it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he didn't know what I was going to say. And uh, I, I said, uh, I said, all right, sir. I said, I just feel like there, there, I don't know if it's one person, five people. There's some people in this room tonight that you connected to this young lady's story. And cause I told her, I said, you gotta, you gotta walk away from one of those jobs. Mm-hmm. She went on to tell me, by the way, she was pregnant with his baby. Uh-huh. And so I was like, you got to take care of you. So you're taking care of the baby. Anyway, all I said, I said, I feel like there's some people in this room tonight that are supposed to walk with this, this, this young lady. Mm-hmm. And no sooner do I say that, then a woman pops up about five rows in front of me. She goes, Ken, I went through this seven years ago. I want to walk with her through mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And then a grandmama stand up on this side. She says, Ken, I, my, my daughter walked through this, and, and I'm going to walk with, with her through this. Man. And then another lady stood up, and, and it was that kind of stuff happening. And, you know, that young lady walked out of that night with three new friends who were going to lock arms with her mm. and, and help her. And so that's the kind of stuff that happens at these events, man. Like, people start crying. They're snotting on the mic. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's all good. Yes. And, uh, and so, you know, I just try to meet people where they are and we just try to lower the barrier. Uh, we try to make it feel like a family night. So anyway, career breakthrough. It's tonight. I, I don't even have the details in front of me. It's on my website, kencolemancom slash events. <laughs> but, uh, but, but anyway, it's, uh, it's the joy of my life, man, to meet people who are in pain and give them some purpose from the pain. That's what we do. Well, and I feel like, and I love what you're talking about, and I feel like uh, there's a few people in this room uh, that could value from attending an event. I think like so. That. You think I, so? I think so. I think so. I know so. I would like them to be my guest for free. Oh, you would? Okay. Oh, Absolutely. Woo! So, uh, there it is. Now we're okay. The coup d'état. Yeah. So any any of our live audience tonight that would like to come, uh, my guy Damon is here. We'll get you the venue location. We'll look it up. I'm sorry, I don't. It's know in Plano. Guys. It's in Plano, it's in Texas. Plano. Yeah. Uh, it's at a great theater. We still have some seats left, and so we will give them a free ticket for them and a guest. All they got to say is who you know, right? Just say who you know. Podcast. I was there live today. Ken comped me. And we'll have books there. I can sign books. And if anybody, oh. So I would love for them. If, and I know Dallas is a big place in this last minute, but you're certainly welcome. Absolutely. Well, guys, another round of applause. Ken Coleman. <laughs> guys, that's the show. It's, it's all about who you know. Thanks for listening to the Who You Know Show podcast. My name is Trevor Houston, and if you've enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing wherever you listen and leave us a positive review to help us keep the mics on in the studio. Until next week, that's the show. It's all about who you know. Who you know.